0: Uh welcome. Welcome to Redemption Church. It's our first time. We're happy that you're here with us. Uh we're in the second week of a new series that we're calling Set Apart. And it's just a look through uh the book of First Peter, the letter that uh Peter writes. And uh we're gonna just kinda dive into the into verses. We're in the first chapter. We just did two verses last week, and this week we're gonna cover uh, chapter one, verse 3 through 12. Before we go there, though, let's just take a moment and would you pray with me? Our Father, we just thank you for your great, great love for us. I thank you for your great love for me. We thank you for Jesus, who's made that love known to us. Thank you that we are yours. I pray, Lord, this morning that you would remind us of that truth that we be reminded of who you really are and then see that we are yours that would be good news for us that we would have grace and mercy multiplied among us and out from among us. I pray Lord that your spirit would do a work this morning in us that whatever I say and whatever we say during this service, would lift the name of Jesus high, but that it wouldn't be our words, it wouldn't be my words speaking this message, but it would be yours, and that you would cause each ear, each ear to hear what it needs to hear, to be transformed by your living word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So, this summer, I met my father for the first time. Uh, I found him on Facebook several months ago, uh, quite a while ago actually. Found him on Facebook, we kind of connected on there, not like we were talking a lot, but then like we've talked about a couple times, we went on a big trip this summer and we went to Phoenix. I have some family there, we stayed there, and while we were there, we got to connect. And so I loaded up the van with Claire and our three kids, and we drove across Phoenix to Tempe, Arizona, to a Denny's on the side of the interstate, real flashy, and uh, we had some hamburgers, and we met. And it really wasn't that eventful. It was kind of awkward, to be honest, but I'm kind of an awkward dude. It wasn't spectacular, but it was fine, and in the end, I'm really glad that we did it. I'm glad that we met. Here's the deal. I, like many of you in the room, I'm sure, grew up without a father. And growing up without a dad affected me deeply and I didn't know for a long time just how deeply it affected me but growing up without a dad did affect me deeply whether I ever wanted to admit it or not and over the years I struggled I've struggled I've struggled a lot with a deep sense of being or feeling unwanted feeling like I was unwanted and that kind of leaves you feeling worthless right that's played out in different ways in my life through different season and seasons and in different moments. There's seasons where I've tried to prove my worth to myself and to others. And there's also seasons where I just kind of felt like giving up. Like just kind of not bothering with it anymore. See, I've been a Christian since I was a little boy. I've been a Christian since I was a little boy. I believed that Christ had saved me, that I believed that Jesus had actually come, that he was God, that he died on the cross and that he rose again from the grave and that meant that I could be saved and that meant that I could know God and that meant that I could go to heaven. I did believe that. But I often, it was often hard, it's often been hard to reconcile like the here and now that, we're living in and the mess of the moment and the feelings that I have in the moment, it's hard to reconcile sometimes how the cross has anything to do with that and how the gospel informs where I'm actually at. And from time to time, I still have difficulty. I still have difficult days when I begin to believe that I'm not wanted and that I'm worthless. And maybe you hear different things besides that. But you probably know how the enemy likes to whisper in our ear, something that really hurts. But we begin to believe it, and believe that it's true. For me, it's that I'm not wanted, and that I'm worthless. And I still have those days. Like I said, when I begin to believe that I'm not wanted. As we take a look at First Peter this morning, I just I want us to remember as we as we go into it. I just want us to remember that. Peter wasn't writing a textbook. Like this isn't just a textbook and we're not just about to go through like the doctrine of salvation. That's not what he was doing. Peter was a fisherman, right? He's not a scholar. And so he wasn't writing a textbook. He was writing a letter. Before we move further, I just, just want to remind us who Peter is. Do you remember Peter? Do you really remember him very well? I mean, this is a fisherman, like I said. And this is the man, I believe Reggie mentioned it last week, but this is a man who doubted Jesus, even as he was walking, he didn't mention this part, but this is a man who doubted Jesus, even as he was walking on water with Jesus, right? And then he sank, but he was also the man who was saved by the outstretched arm of Jesus in real life, in real time, and Jesus pulled him out of the water. This is the man who denied Christ three times. Peter denied Christ three times when he was taken to go to the cross, but Christ came back from the dead, right? And he redeemed and restored Peter through his death and resurrection. And it's not like just Peter believed and so Jesus restored and redeemed him. Like Jesus came back from the dead and walked with Peter and he talked with Peter and he went on a beach and ate fish with Peter and it's there that he restored him. Remember that? Peter was a man who himself eventually died as Reggie mentioned, because of his faith, as Jesus told him he would. Jesus, I mean, Peter eventually died because of his faith, because of his belief. So see, Peter wrote a letter to proclaim the good news that he experienced firsthand, right? He wrote this letter to proclaim an experience that he had firsthand of who Jesus was and what the good news was, and he wrote the letter to a people who desperately needed to hear how the gospel was actually good in the moment not just for some distant future or or the afterlife, but how the gospel mattered in the here and now. This is a letter to a people like myself and probably like many of you in the room who were piled up with doubts, who had the lies being whispered in their ears. It's to a people who are piled up with doubts, to a people who are hurting, to a people who are confused. It's a letter to Christians It's a letter to followers of Jesus, many of whom were being persecuted physically, who even probably lost people, lost loved ones. And this letter is to people who believed in Christ as their Savior, but who were, like me at times, having a hard time making their immediate context jive with the truth of the gospel and with the good news of Jesus Christ. So last week in the first two verses, we saw how Peter started his letter by proclaiming the good news of their true identity, that they were elect exiles, that God had chosen them, that God was their father, right? Chosen by God the Father to be set apart from this world and for himself. The thing is called set apart, that's what we're talking about. That they were chosen by God the Father to be set apart from this world and for himself. And as Peter moves on, he clarifies the purpose of what he's saying in this section. And he says, may may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the good news that Peter delivers to, to a people in the midst of their grief, in real time grief, it's actually happening now, in the midst of their doubts, in the midst of their sufferings, in the midst of maybe beginning to buy into the lies, the good news that he delivers there isn't just that one day it'll get better. Well, that's true, one day it will get better, but that's not the only thing that's delivered here. He says, because the good news of the day and for every day, right, is that God chose them to be his children. God chose them to be his children, and that affects every day. It's not just a ticket or a punch card to get somewhere when you die. It affects us here and now. We are God's children. And he tells them this, that they are God's people, that they are chosen by God to be his children. And my prayer for this week is that grace and peace will be multiplied to us, be multiplied to me and multiplied to you and multiplied even beyond us as we just spend the next few moments reveling in the good news that through Christ, we're not orphans. We're not unwanted and we aren't fatherless. God is our father and we are his children. We are a people for his own possession, it says in Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, and while we may be strangers in this world, maybe we feel like outsiders, we are known in God's family. We're insiders in God's family. He's our father, and we are his children. That's the good news this morning. That's all we're really going to see. That God is our father, and we're in, we're in his family, and that he knows us, and so we're going to read this. Let's read uh, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 12. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. I'm just gonna go back right there to the beginning of that passage. And he says this, he says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead he has caused us to be born again to a living hope born again you've heard it born again Christian you've come across maybe the passage in John with Nicodemus what does it mean right Dr. Christina Edmondson but if you don't follow her on Twitter you should she's awesome Uh, she was quoted on Twitter the other day as saying this we are born with the need to be born again we are born with the need to be born again and it's true. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus is with Nicodemus, he tells Nicodemus that unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God, and Jesus goes on to explain that we must be born of water and the Spirit, right? We must be born of water and the Spirit, and then Peter expands on this idea of being born again, even in this letter, later on in this chapter, and he just says this, In verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Here's the deal, born again. See, because of sin, which we're born into in our flesh, our flesh is cursed to death, right? The wages of sin, is death. There's nothing truly alive in us. We're born with a need to be born again. But because Jesus rose from the grave, because God made flesh, came, and he conquered the death that satisfied our debt, he paid the wages of sin, which is death, and he made a way for us to come to life also. So being born in the spirit, that is the awakening of our spirit to a life that is eternal. We have life imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. We can experience life for the first time and forever. And we can see things in a whole new way. But there's something more than just unpacking what that means, like what born again means. There's something more in that language that I really want us to see this morning. It's the good news that I got from the text this week that like really spoke to my heart. There's something more to this language of being born again that I really want us to see. When a baby is born, it's born from and to parents, right? When a baby is born, it's born from and to parents. It takes a father and a mother to make a baby, right? And when you're born in the spirit, you're born from and to God, your father. When you're born in the flesh, you're born to your earthly parents. When you're born in the spirit, you're, you're born to God, your father. Our parents here are like grass. They wither, they fall. We all wither and fall in our flesh. But by being born of God, you have actually become his child. And he never withers and fails. He remains forever. God is eternal. God remains forever. And you are his kid. You are his child. That's the good news this morning. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't note that in no way are you or I, those of us who believe, in no way are you his child by accident or by your own doing. I mean, already we've seen this in the the language of being chosen by God and that God caused them to be born again. Not only are you his, but he wants you no matter what right? He chose you. He chose you. So he knows who you are. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you could be born again, so that you could be born as a child of God. And the Psalms say this, just check it out. The Psalms say that you were knitted together in your mother's womb, so God made you, he knows who you are, he made you who you are and he chose you before the foundations of the earth and he caused you to be born again. He knows who you are because he made you that, the way you are and he loves you and he came after you and he made you his child. It's nothing you did, it's nothing you couldn't could do, it's nothing you did wrong that would make you, not. Or it's nothing that you could do to earn it and it's not by accident, right? He made you to be his He made you the way you are and he chose you. And he loves you with love that is perfect. It's never ceasing and it never fails. Let's continue in verse six through seven. And he says, in this, you rejoice. In this, you rejoice. That is that he has had mercy on you, that he loves you and that you are a child of God. In that you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I read over this several times in preparation, I just couldn't help but keep going back and thinking of the fiery furnace. And Daniel, are you familiar with the story? With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, at the threat of being thrown into a furnace of fire and killed, refused to bow to the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what they say in Daniel. It says, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So you know how the story goes? Okay, throws them in the fiery furnace. But when the guards look into the furnace, he not only sees the three of them, but he sees four. And they're walking around, and they're untouched. They're unharmed by the fire, which is pretty astonishing. And so Nebuchadnezzar calls them back out of the fire, and they come out, and Nebuchadnezzar, in the end, blesses God, right, He blesses God, and he says that the people are to bless God. See, certainly that story already at the beginning, we're like, that's some real faith. They got some real faith, right? Certainly they went into the fire with a strong faith, with like a peace that's beyond understanding. But when they came out, I imagine their faith was even sure, was surer than ever, right? But also their faith was multiplied to others. Others glorified God. They glorified God, and God was glorified from others. So Peter, in this letter to those possibly experiencing like real troubles in this world because of their faith, kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Peter says that even these struggles refine our faith as we realize and come to believe more and more that our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. It's undefiled, it's unfading. We can see more and more clearly with kingdom eyes Right? We can become more able to distinguish the greater, dangers that, the greater dangers that are to our spirit and our life there over the smaller, weaker dangers of the flesh, which withers and fades anyways. So the little while trials that Peter speaks of, of this world, they serve a born-again child of God to more clearly reveal that there is nothing in this world for us like there is in being his child. There's nothing in this world for us that can compare to being the child of God. The outcome of these little while trials for the children of God is expanded in verse 7 through 9. It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so our faith is strengthened. Our belief is made stronger as we are able to more easily distinguish because of the trials we go through. We're able to more easily distinguish the lies of the world that lead to nothing but death for now and into eternity. And we can distinguish those from the truth of the gospel that lead to life now and into eternity. And with the strength and faith, we rejoice and we can glorify God who's made us alive. And the world may even take notice and hear the good news that Jesus has made a way for them to be reborn as well. It's a truly special thing, this being born again. Being born again, the salvation this being a child of God is really special. And Peter goes into that in his letter and he finishes uh, this, this particular passage. And this particular passage is like a really, it's actually just a really long run-on sentence. It's one thought just like digressing on the good news of our identity in Christ through the salvation that's come to us through Jesus Christ. And he finishes that in verse, tw- in these verse 10 through 12 by letting his readers in on just how special salvation truly is. He says this, things into which angels long to look. Man, that is like, I don't, I, at first, for a long time, I think I don't even get, I didn't get what that meant. But the prophets who prophesied about it, about salvation and longed to see it. And the angels longed to get in on the good news, right? It's not that they don't know the good news. It's not that they don't know what Jesus has done. It's not that they don't glorify God for what he's done. But the prophets only had it to look forward to, not to partake in on earth. And the angels, why they may very well get it, like I said, they may know, they have not been brought into the inheritance that we have been brought into as his children. We've been made children of God. Maybe that doesn't mean a lot to us if we don't know who God is. But the prophets who knew who God was, who God is, they looked, looked forward to it and longed for it. And the angels who have not been brought into that inheritance long to look into what that's like. The other night, while I was wrestling over this passage, and for some reason this passage wore me out. I wrote this sermon like three times. But I was listening to an album by Citizens and Saints, and these lyrics just hit me like a ton of bricks and they just let me in on the good news of our inheritance. So I'm just going to read it. It says, just want to shout it out for the world to hear it, that I'm his kid no matter what I'm feeling, and I am loved no matter what. I'm his kid no matter what I'm feeling, and I'm loved no matter what. Man, that's all I ever wanted to hear. I think that's all you have ever wanted to hear too. But I'm his kid no matter what I'm feeling. I'm loved no matter what. It's the best news I've ever heard and nobody on earth could say it and it'd be as good a news as it is when it's coming from God. It's the best news I've ever heard. It's the news that I've, that I've heard over and over again at a heart level, right? And time and again, that news dispels all the lies about my worth. That's the news that kicks the the devil out of my ears, right? That stops the whispers. That allows my belief to go from just like a head knowledge thing that I consent to, to a heart thing that I truly believe. That's the good news. I'm his kid no matter what I'm feeling. And I'm loved no matter what. While it's true that nothing I've ever done has made me valuable, there's nothing I've ever done that's made me worthy of being his child. Right. No matter what I've done, God made me, God made you his kid. He gave his son to make me his kid. He gave Jesus to make me his child. And he gave his son to make you his child. That's unfathomable. That's an unfathomable value that he's given us. While we may be strangers in this world, we are fully known and loved in God's family. That's good news. I'm crying because it's good. I'm not sad. While we may be strangers in this world, we're fully known and loved in God's family by God. I think for us, we've been talking about gospel fluency a lot lately. I think for us to become fluent in the language of the gospel to the point where we can see how the gospel is our salvation, not only in some like far off eternity, right? Somewhere we go after we're done here. But in the here and now, we have to see and know who God is. If we want to become gospel fluent, able to speak the gospel to where we actually are, then we have to know who God is. And Peter lets us in on a lot of things about the attributes and the character of God, just even in these verses. He lets us in on how God's been made known through the person of Jesus. And in this passage, I just go through just a few. In verse one, we kind of see that he's over all things. I mean, in that he controls and elects, right? And that he chose people. Two, verse two, he's father. He's outside of time. He's all-knowing. He's redeemer. He's redeemer. He's a redeemer who multiplies grace and peace to us. In verse three, he's a merciful father. In four, he's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. In verse five, he's powerful. He's keeper and distributor of salvation. All those things and more. And you can just go all the way through. And if you look in the bulletin, I've asked you to go through and do that. All those things and more are made known of God through Jesus Christ. But Peter says a whole lot in this passage also about these people being chosen by God to be his children. And that is where the passage lands for me today. That's where I'm just taking us. Because I have a hunch that regardless of your home life growing up, regardless of your home situation, we can all relate to the desire to have our parents love you no matter what. And many of you had great parents growing up, right? And maybe many of you experienced that growing up and you They really loved you and they enjoyed you. And others maybe had the parents, but they always felt like they maybe had to perform. I know that that's the case for several. Some maybe didn't have a parent or didn't have parents and you've always wanted to be wanted. And some of us maybe had people who took you in and were great parents, but it's always lingered in your heart why your biological parents weren't there. And maybe you've wondered what it'd be like to make them proud, to be wanted. Whatever the case, while we all love our parents very much, no parent is perfect. And if you're a parent, you know that's true. I know it's true for me. But in God, we have a perfect father. Perfect in every way. And he loves you no matter how you feel and no matter what. Your father loves you. That's where this land's at. To be born again is to become a child of God. And he loves you Perfectly, no matter how you're feeling and no matter what. Listen, in the everyday stuff of life, when the gospel's not getting to the heart and you can't remember what the cross of Jesus has to do with the trials and the difficulties you're facing in the moment, no matter how small or how large. When you feel like an outsider in this world, like an exile, like a stranger, and like you're up against it. you hear lies that's when you're most vulnerable right that's when you're most vulnerable and most susceptible to the temptations of sin that would lead you away from your father because you're most susceptible to the lies of the enemy that will tell you that you have no value that you're an outsider they'll use it'll use your experience to To lie to you, that you're an outsider, that you're an exile, that you're a stranger, that nobody wants you, that you have no worth. And on and on and on. So it's easy to believe because it's what we kind of feel like we're experiencing. And it's easy to fall for the lies. And you probably, if you're like me, then you start futilely like turning to yourself or others or things or ideas, trying to find value. Right? Striving to feel secure. Reeling for somebody or something to tell you that you're worthy that you're not an orphan, that you're not alone. It could also just make you give up. I just want you to hear the good news this morning. It's not a huge application. I just want us to hear the good news this morning, that you're his kid no matter what. You're a child of God. And while you may be a stranger in this world, because you've been set apart from the world, you've been set apart for God. So if you're a stranger in this world, it's because you are known and loved in God's family. You may be a stranger here, but you're known and loved perfectly in God's family. And Jesus made that happen. While he was already fully alive, actually Jesus is life itself and the giver of life. Still, Jesus stepped into this world and was born of flesh. That is, he took on our withering form and lived life in his body the way only God could, perfectly. And still, he was crucified and put to death. And in that happening, being put to death, he paid for your sin debt. The Wages of sin is death. And Jesus, fully God, fully man, took that on. But that wasn't the end, right? He rose again. He was resurrected And in so he defeated death They came back to life. He rose again and was resurrected from the grave and he ascended to heaven to rule his kingdom and he sent his spirit so that you could be born again. Born again. He sent his spirit to cause you to be born again and come to life with him and be a child of God. He did all that because your father wanted you. Father, God wanted you and wants you. He loves you, he chose you, and he saved you. He set you apart from this world to be his kid. And while you may be a stranger in this world, you're known and loved in God's family. That's just good news. You have an inheritance that is sure, and it is far more than any money can buy or anything else in this life can get you. You're loved perfectly by an awesome God who calls you to be his son, to be his daughter. The series is called Set Apart, and we're going to talk a good bit about what it means to be set apart from this world and be set apart for God, but I just wanted to hear up front, like this isn't just about like an assignment that he's put us on, right? It's not just being set apart because he's got something for you to do, and he's put you on the job, and he's given you an assignment. All those things are Somewhat true, but that's not really what it's about. It's not about being put on task. It's all about becoming his. I hope this morning is that you kind of feel like the arms of God wrap around you. My hope this morning as you go back through this passage, even this week, is that you feel wrapped up in the arms of your father and that you can just revel in who God is and what he's done and who that makes you. my only hope for our response this morning is that you'll hear the gospel and hear that you're his, that you're God's and that you'll be armed to fight the temptation, to deny him those temptations that meet us every day because the good news multiplies grace and peace to you so that you, were, so that you can rejoice in the truth that you are his and reject the lies that you're not wanted, that you're worthless, that you have to make, make it happen so on and so forth. we're just going to enter into a time of response like we do each week and it's a time where we'll the the musicians will come and will lead us in worship it's time to stand and sing and certainly glorify God and rejoice that you're his kid you can do that it's also a time where you can reflect it's a time where you can pray if you need somebody to pray with I'd love to pray with you, you and grab me there should be people in the back that'll pray with you also It's a time for tithes and offerings. We have that in the back, right? As we respond to God and say we can trust Him, He's God and He loves us, and we are His children. He's not trying to hurt us. He's for us. He's not against us. And so we we can give of everything. We can give what we have. We can give through our tithes and offerings and worship also. And every week we take communion. So this is a time where we'll come down the middle. There'll be people to serve communion on either side, and you'll break off the bread and you'll dip it in the wine or the juice. And if you're a believer if you're a follower of Jesus uh, we invite you to come and do that whether you're a member of this church or not we just invite you to come what we're doing when we do this we're saying that we're taking his body and dipping it in his blood and it's a reminder of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us that he came that he was God that he is God but that he stepped in and took our place and he made a way for us to be a child of God and that he set apart set us apart from the world and set us apart to God and we're reminding each other of that we're remembering who Christ is we're saying that he's our Lord and Savior we're telling each other that too and our taking we're proclaiming that together as a community so it's a good reminder so we invite you to come and do that if you're not a Christian I kind of realize that almost this entire sermon and message is about Christians and the letter is to Christians but that doesn't mean that it's not for you too because the invitation is also for you. Like he did that for you. And you can know Christ. And you can be a child of God. It's a, you don't have to do anything. It's a belief. It's following Christ. It's just turning from the lies that the world will feed you and turning towards Jesus. That's what repentance is. So we invite you to do that. We ask that you not come and take communion if you don't believe not because we don't like you and we want you to feel like a stranger or outsider but because you can't say that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that would be a lie so don't do that but instead hear what we're saying and proclaiming in our taking we're rejoicing that we're children of God we're proclaiming that to you and to one another and you're invited in and I'd love to talk to you more about that would you pray with me our father we just thank you again we are your children that you are our father that you've made us sons and daughters through the giving of your son Jesus Christ the love you've extended to toward us is greater than we can comprehend in Ephesians you say that we need the Holy Spirit to like enlighten our hearts so that we can know the the depths and the widths and the heights and the breadth of your love that is shown to us through Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, this morning that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our heart to know your love for us. Nothing we do on our own and nothing this world will feed us, I truly believe it doesn't change me. It doesn't change us. It doesn't earn us anything. It won't make things right. We can't heal ourselves. We can't heal the, the pain and suffering of the world. But you change us. Your gospel, your good news changes us. And just knowing that we are yours changes us. And it's free. It's by your grace. It's by your mercy. And it's out of your great love for us. So I pray, Father, that we would just let the gospel land on our hearts this morning we would know who you are we'd know what you've done for us we would know your great love for us and that would define who we are your kids we love you and praise you in Jesus name